children, and um, that, that's good. I want to ask you, if you would, to take your Bibles, and if you had turned to First um, Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, we're going to we're going to continue on where we've been teaching the last several weeks, and um, but as you're turning there, I just I just want to say, wow, so good to be here. I want to thank God, Janie. It's good to have you with us. Yay! Wow. Wow, she has, um, Lord's put her through the ringer, but, um, but boy, I thank God for the prayers of this church. I thank God for, um, for Janie and Mike, their, their faith, and so good to see you, to be able to come back, and um, folks, God's faithful. Today, we're going to be looking at the subject matter, and we're going to be closing out. Over the last several weeks, I have been working through a, just a little series at the, the, where, where Paul was concluding concluding the, um, his letter to the, the church of Thessalonica. And it was in that particular passage that, that um, the Apostle Paul wrote that, that, that what God desires for each of us is to walk, our, our, walk in such a way that we're worthy of pleasing God, recognizing of all that what Christ has done for us that our, the, any pleasure that we have in this world is because Christ and what he's done for us has granted us that pleasure. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. But God has called us to, to, called us to a walk in a way that is worthy, that we can bring a smile on God's face. And folks, I think that's a, a worthy calling recognizing in the light of what Christ has done for us, but not only what Christ has done for us, but because of who God is. Just because of who God is, that he is the superhero. He's the creator of the heavens, the stars. He's our creator. And just because of who he is, we should walk in a way that would honor him, that would bring a smile on his face as we love him. That's a display of our love. He said, first of all, you know how we need to walk. We need to walk in a in, in, in that um, in a way that will will bring pleasure of in, in, in our cleanliness that we need to we need to to walk in our in the sanctification of the Lord that we need to live our lives that's separate from the world God's not taking us out of the world but we don't have to be a part of the world because folks we are the Jesus that people sees and we need to live our lives in a way that when we they they see us, they say there's something different about us. And that would point them to Jesus Christ. We need to walk also in, in, in a way of brotherly love. And we need to live our lives in, in, in a way that, that our life is just a testament of our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ and also for mankind. And I think it's very, very interesting because the way he explained that is so many times we, we think of Love is such an emotion, it's a syrupy type of thing. He says, you know, loving someone is just getting out and doing the right things. And, and that's where he, he kind of got in our business a little bit. He says, you know, what you need to do is, is um, he says, you, you really need to mind your own business. You don't need to get in the lives of other people. Just mind your own business. And then he says, you know what, you need to work with your hands that you can provide for yourself and also administer to others. Very practical stuff, but, but, but that's how you love one another. It's just, just being about your business and, 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 and walking in a way that you can minister to others. Last week we studied, and we're going to go back and read 
these verses, but and I've used used to preach these together, but I felt led that I need to break them apart. But he says, you know what? We need to we need to walk in hope. Because of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's one thing that we as believers can walk in, is we can walk in hope. Because, folks, if Jesus died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, we can be assured, too, that he's coming again. And that we can recognize that when he comes again, he's going to make all things right. And, and, and that's why, is if, you, if you look at chapter 4 with me, where Paul writes in verse 13 and following, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not as even others who have no hope. How sad is that to live your life with no hope? And, and he says, I, I don't want you to live your life that way. That I've got, there's a better day coming. Because he continued on, he says, For this we say unto you, that by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent or perceive them which fall asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then with then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. The Apostle Paul called that the blessed hope. Peter called that the living hope. That because of the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the certainty that he's going to come back again, Folks, we can be comforted in knowing that no matter what occurs to us in this life, that there's a better day coming. Isn't that exciting? Man, we, we, our hearts was broken this past week while our brother in Christ, um, Skip, was called home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. We see his mom, Miss Helen, here even this morning. And, and, and death's a terrible thing. But the Bible says because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, that God has taken the sting out of death. And knowing that one day, one day when Jesus comes again, Skip and, and all of our other brothers and sisters and moms and dads and uncles and, and aunts and friends who have died in Christ, the Bible says that, that those graves are going to burst open. And those who are still alive, if we're still alive when Jesus comes, and folks, he could come at any moment, that we're going to be gathered with our loved ones in the air. Can you imagine the hallelujah time that's going to be? Man, that is going to be an exciting time. And not only that, but, but he's going to, we're going to be gathered together with perfect bodies. Be no more sickness, no more heartache, no more sorrow, no more tears. Because when Jesus comes back, he's not going to merely just clean things up. He's going to make all things new. I don't know about you, but I look forward to that day. And so we can walk in hope. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to wake up every day realizing that Jesus, you, are, you may come back today, and all things are going to be made right. Today we're going to, we're going to bridge onto that same thought, and we're, I ask you to stand with me as we read together the, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11. Another thing that, that we need, if we're going to please God, we not only to walk in hope, but also walk in readiness. Again, he's just continuing the words that he was just speaking. But in chapter 5, and speaking about Jesus coming again, he says, But at the times and the seasons, brethren, you need not that I write unto you. 
For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. But you are all children of the light, and the children of the day. We are not the children of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunk are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of love, uh, of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And what he's saying, whether we're already died or we're still alive, that it doesn't matter. That we're all going to be gathered up to him who died for us, or I'm sorry, wherefore comfort one ourselves together and edify one another, even also as you do. Let's pray. Father, we praise you, Lord, and God, we just, we just rejoice in you. And I pray that you'd take this time, that God, that you'd just minister to our hearts, our spirits. And God, I just pray that we'd see Christ. And God, I just pray that your spirit would just, just rest upon us, O Lord. And I just pray that, Lord, that we would examine ourselves, that we would examine us, ourselves about this area of readiness. Are we ready for when Jesus comes back? So bless our time together in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. When I, when I was a kid, I loved to play games. And matter of fact, my dad, I, I, even as a, a young adult, I, I loved to play games. My daddy would always say, son, all you do is just play, play, play. I think as a child in all of us, we, you know, we enjoy to play. Even as I watch it after the church service many times and parents are talking, boy, you see kids playing game. And, 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 a, and a game that they're all, they all love to play is hide and seek. Have you ever played hide and seek? Man, I don't, I don't think there's any of you that's so old you didn't play some hide-and-seek um, in, in, in your life. And you know what? I, I hated being it. Was you ever it? Yeah, I just hated being it. And the way that you kept from being it is, 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 is you, need to, you need to play the game right. Because whoever the seeker was, whoever was it, they'd all gather up, and, you know, it would have to, he'd go by the tree or go by, and, and he would close his eyes, and, and he'd begin to count to 100. And when he counted the hundred, everyone else would go and they'd hide, you know. And boy, they'd hide in the closet, hide behind the trees, hide in the bushes, you know. Um, you know, some kids that weren't very sharp, you know, they'd kind of just hide out in the middle thinking nobody would ever see them, you know. And, um, but, um, but, but as he was counting to a hundred, you know, a hundred and maybe one, two, three, four, and you'd all scattered out. And, but then after a while, you'd have to, you'd realize, oh, yeah, he'd start looking up, you know, he wouldn't kind of, he'd kind of look up, peek ahead, and, and then finally you realize his count wasn't real good because he'd get to, he'd go from 20, 27, 30, 35, 38, you know, and he'd start skipping, and, um, and, um, boy, then he would just break out and try to catch everyone out there. It's just always a good time. But you have to realize there's some good theology and hide and seek. Because you have to recognize there's, there's principles of the game of hide and seek that's very much the same principles as the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible teaches us, and, and even as, as we find within hide and seek, there's certain things that you know. You know that he's coming pretty soon. 
You also know that he's coming when he gets ready. You have to understand also he's coming whether you are ready or not. And he's going to come even though you may not be ready. And if you're not ready, you're going to pay the consequences. And folks, we need to apply that into ourselves because that's what we know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. He's coming when he decides to. He's coming whether we're ready or not. And if we're not ready, then we'll have to pay the consequences. So the question today, are you ready? Are you ready even before I end this message today if, 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 if we've already read in chapter 4 that one day there's going to be the voice of the, the shout, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and Christ is going to part those skies. It's going to happen in a moment. It's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. It's not something that once it happens that you're going to be able to get ready for because, folks, when it happens, it happens. He's coming. And that's why God, and one of the things that's going to please his heart, and I think it's very interesting that, that Paul tags that in right at, the, right at the end of where he says that we need to walk in a way that will bring pleasure to God, that he, he speaks about the second coming of our Lord. And one of the things that will please our Lord the greatest is knowing that every single day, every moment, that we walk in readiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he begins to explain why, why this is so important and how we need to do that. And let's just look at, the, first of all, that necessity of walking in readiness. Why is this so important? He explains those things in verses 1 through 5 of, of, of chapter 5 when he says, But at the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I would write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the light. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them and travail upon a woman with his child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that, you sh- that the day should overtake you as a thief that you are all children of the light and, and the children of the day and, and not of the night over the darkness. You know the first thing he's saying? That, that first of all, there's a certain return of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he says, of these things I'm speaking, to, he says, I shouldn't even have to remind you of these things. As a matter of fact, probably the most prominent doctrine in all of Scripture that is spoken of above basically all other doctrine is return of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, on the night before Jesus Christ was crucified on that night that he shared communion for the first time with his apostles. He knew, he knew that the cross was right before him. But he, but he wanted to bring comfort. He knew that his disciples' lives were about to be shattered. I mean, the one that whom they had followed and given their lives for was going to be just taken away from them in a very vicious and a very terrible way. But it was Jesus who spoke those great words of comfort. You'll find those in John, the 14th chapter. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. I mean, in in, in that time of, of, of darkness that he was letting his disciples know, I may be taken from you, but I'm coming again. After Jesus Christ arose from the grave and he had spent 40 days with his apostles, 
And, and I, I'm sure those were very precious times that he spent with his apostles. But on that 40th day that the Bible says he, he stood there on, on the mount and he began to ascend into heaven. And can you imagine the thought? This guy that had been ripped from us, he came back to life, he's lived with us, and now he's ascending into heaven. And so they were just standing there gazing and saying, what is going on? And the angel came and spoke to them. He says, you know, men, why do you stand there gazing? You'll find this in Acts, the first chapter. He says, just as this, the, the Son of Man is, is, um, is lifted up into the heavens, so shall he come again in like manner. He may be taken from you for a while, but he is coming again, and he's coming in like manner. You're going to see him as he comes back again in the clouds. You can find reference after reference after reference after reference in the Scripture that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is coming again. First of all, friends, He came the first time that He might be our Savior, that He might come and, and pay for the penalty of our sins. But when He comes again, He's coming again as the righteous King and the righteous Judge. And the question is, are we going to be ready? So Paul says, I shouldn't even have to speak to you about these things because he's speaking to an audience that, that had heard that. I'm sure that he's told it to them over and over. He says, that, that's just a fact that you should know. But he says, of the times and seasons, again, you need to realize that although there's a certain return of Christ, that when he comes again, it's going to be uncertain. There's going to be an uncertain time of his coming. I think that's where it gets a little bit touchy. Because Jesus is going to come again at the time that's least unexpected. He's, he's coming. And I think it's interesting that Paul uses the terminology, how is he coming? Look what he says in the second verse, the end of it. He says, the day of the Lord it comes as a thief in the night. The folks, a thief doesn't come to your house when you're sitting up watching TV. I can promise you they come when you're not ready for them. They come at the time that you least expect them so that they can do their dirty business. But Paul describes the coming of the Lord in the unexpectancy as a thief, that, that Jesus is going to come in a time that we least Expect. See, again, that puts an entire twist on the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That gives the importance of that we, we, we live in readiness because when he comes, the folks, we're going to have to deal with it. No matter what we're doing. Man, I want you to just chew on that a little bit. There's a lot of times in my life, and more that I want to admit, that if Jesus Christ would have come at a, at a specific time in my life, I was places I didn't need to be, doing things I didn't need to be saying, hanging out with folks I didn't need to be hanging out with. And I tell you, I wasn't, I wasn't living in readiness at that time. 
There's times in my life where the condition of my heart was not where it needed to be. And if Jesus would have come at that time, I would have, I would have had to dealt with the business at that time. You see, the question is not if Jesus is going to come. The question is, when is Jesus coming? As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ made that very, very clear as he, he, as he was speaking of his return in Matthew, the 24th chapter. He said these words in, in, in Matthew twenty four thirty five. He said, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. I think that's kind of interesting that when you begin to read people that tries to, that tries to predict the time of Jesus Christ. Man, people have sold millions of dollars of books or written that Jesus is going to come in 88. Then he didn't come in 88. Well, he's coming in 89. And you know what? We're fool enough to go out and buy them. When the Bible says the angels don't even know, only my Father in heaven knows. And I think even at that time when Jesus was on earth as a man, the Son of Man didn't even know. And for me as a human being to, to try to pick out a time is just foolishness. And so therefore what I need to do is I need to live my life every single day, every single moment as if Jesus Christ should come back right then. Man, I've had them weekends when my mom and dad thought that I was old enough that you know, I could take care of myself while they went away and, you know, and they were supposed to come back on Monday. And there was some stuff going on Saturday and Sunday, I can tell you. I think it was a time they came back a little bit early. And um, I had to pay the wrath of Lyme on that day. And, you know, if, if the, the problem is, is we begin to settle in our mind that, that, that when Jesus is going to come again, we're going to live our lives the way we want to live our lives and do a little bit of cleaning up right before he comes. That's just our nature. Where he says, you know what, we need to have the house clean every day because he may come back any day as a thief in the night. And something else you absolutely have to understand that Listen to how he describes the coming of our Lord. He says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. You see, when Jesus comes, we have to understand that ushers in what is called the day of the Lord. Now, the Jews understand the day of the Lord very much because the day of the Lord, when God comes back as judge and he makes all things right. He comes back at a time where he's going to judge the living and the dead. He's going to judge the saved and the unsaved. And so when Christ comes again, that is the beginning of what is known as the day of the Lord. And basically, that's, the, that's ushering in the day of judgment. And so we need to understand that when Jesus is coming again, he's coming in at a time that we don't really know. It's very, very uncertain. And then there's going to be, but there's going to be a certain judgment upon those who are not ready. Hmm. See, we, we don't like to hear that a lot. But again, Jesus came first 
time to be the Savior of the world, to die for the sins of mankind, but he's coming again as the righteous judge. Why is that so important? Why is it so important that there's, that God is, that, that he'll be the righteous judge? Because folks, the only way that God can be a just God is that one day that everything could be made right. If, 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 if there was never any judgment, then he could not be a just God. And see, even within us where someone has hurt us and we say that's not fair, see, because God is a just God, we can realize one day he's going to come back and make all things fair. He's going to judge that person who's hurt me or he's going to judge me also. And because God is just, he, he's a righteous judge, and sooner or later, he's going to come back and make all things right. That's why salvation is so important, because when I sin, I sin against God. And, and Jesus came to take the wrath of God that, that should have been given to me. He took it upon himself. Judgment was made on the cross for those who believe. That's why the cross is so important. That's why we were even singing or our team saying, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Folks, I need to keep crawling and holding on to that cross because that, because it's on the cross that Jesus Christ paid the judgment for my sins. And one day he's going to come back and, and put judgment on all folks. And he says, the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, that when, when judgment comes, it's going to be upon us. And for those who are not ready, are going to be standing before a righteous judge. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but that scared me to death. That one day, in the moment, in the twinkling of the eye, that I could be standing before the righteous judge. You see, I, I, when, I think we try to walk around that fear of the Lord, well, that's just reverence of the Lord. I think, I think that fear of the Lord a little bit is just, a, man, I'm just scared to death of the righteous judge. There's nothing wrong with that. And the folks, I think we need to live with the fear of the Lord in our life that Christ can come at any time. When he comes, he's going to judge the living and the dead. So I think it's very important that... that that we need to walk in readiness. That Jesus, whether you come today or tomorrow or in the morning or this afternoon or Friday night or whenever you come, I'm going to be ready for when you come. To walk in readiness because Jesus is coming again. He's going to come at a very uncertain time and a time that I least expect it. And then there's going to be certain judgment on those who are not ready. I mean, folks, you can write that down. And that's why it's so, ne so necessary for us to walk in readiness. And, and the condition of that readiness, he continues on, that we need to, we need to live with an attitude of watchfulness. Look what, look what he says in verses 6 and 7 when he says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that... Um, be drunken or drunken in the night. And, and he's using the, the idea of sleep or slumberness that, 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 I, that I don't care. But he says we need to watch. That's, that's, that's a word that the word watch is, is sometimes used in the, in, in, in the military sense, but, but that means intentionally looking. 
when, when the Roman soldiers were put on a watch, that folks, they knew that their very life depended upon them, that, that depended upon their intenseness and their watching, because if they were found falling asleep on their watch, then they could be put to death. So I guarantee you that when they were on their watch, nothing would get by them. They were looking at every crackle. They, they were listening for every crackle in the bush, every movement out there. They were watching intently to make sure that things were, were how they should be. And that's how he's saying that as us believers, that we need to live our lives not sleeping, not slumbering, but we need to be aware and we need to be watching for the return of Jesus Christ. We need to live our life in the expectancy and looking for Jesus Christ to come every moment of the day. Now, I admit to you, I I fell in that area a lot of times. But I'll also admit to you, if I woke up every morning looking for Jesus to come that, that day, and I'm living every hour that Jesus is going to come right now, my life would be lived a lot different than it is when I'm not looking. And the funny thing is, folks, he's going to come. The Bible already says at a time that's least expected. I mean, he, he could come before my heart beats another beat. At the time that I least expect that Jesus Christ is coming. And so I, I need to live in that area of want, in that attitude of watchfulness that each day that I'm, I'm, I'm looking out thinking that, you know what, Jesus Christ may come today readiness but also not only should we live with an attitude of watchfulness but we need to live with the discipline of self-control because he continues on he says but let us who are the but let us who are the day be sober And he had just referred to as those who drink, drink at the night. The drunkard drinks at night. Again, he's using the illustration that if you've ever been around a drunkard, you've ever experienced drunkenness, then your senses aren't very good. That's why years ago, as when I was a, a... a state farm agent and, and, and dealt with, with, with auto claims. Did you know that every single death that I dealt with in an auto claim accident was because of, a, of one of the people were drinking? Now, for me, it was 100% that, this, that, that it was caused by a drunken driver. And really, the, the, the statistics, if you just look overall, are are around 60-70% anyhow. Did you, and I'll just throw a little caveat in there. Did you realize now that, that, that people texting is just the same percentage of deaths as there are people that, um, that are drinking? When I was an agent, they'd send me to the schools, and I would speak to, to, to schools, um, especially back when they did driving classes, and I told them, I said, I don't feel sorry for you if you drink and drive. You need to get everything you do. Because I've, I've sat across the desk from too many people who've, who've lost lives because somebody was drinking and got behind the wheel and because they didn't have all their senses. 
they couldn't judge like other people can judge, and so you, you don't notice things that are around you. And I'm about the same now about people texting. You know, I'll, I'll get behind a car, and I'll see a car weaving or going slow or going fast. Finally, I'll go around the car, and I'll see that person just a texting. And they're just as dangerous. Why? Because they're not paying attention. And that's what he's saying, that we need to live our life with a self-discipline, that we don't do things that's going to draw us away from keeping our attention on Christ. And if there's, if there's things in my life that keeps me from keeping my eyes on Jesus Christ, I need to have enough of self-control in my life to get those things out of my life. Sometimes that could be people. There's some individuals that I, I need to not hang out with anymore because they keep my eyes off of Christ. Or there's activities that, that, that keep my eyes off the cross. And so I have to be self-controlled. There has to be a discipline in my life that, that I remove those things that will keep me from walking in readiness. And I would dare say that there's not a person in this place that there's something in our life that we would probably be better without getting it out of our life because it's, 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 it's messing up our judgment toward the things of Christ. We all have those issues. So we need to, to live in that attitude of watchfulness, that, that we need to have an intense watch, watchfulness, but also we need to, to live with a discipline of self-control, getting those things out of our life that will keep our eyes, that, that, that keep our eyes off of Christ. But then also we need, to, we need to live daily with the protection of God's armor. Because he continues on, and he says these, these words, but let us who are of the day be sober, and then, um, and, and, which means self-controlled, but then putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of our salvation. That every single day that we need to stop and we need to, we need to remind ourselves all over again that that, that breastplate of faith and, uh, and love and that helmet of salvation. And I think this is a way each day we guard ourselves and we begin to put on the armor of God by reminding ourselves of our faith in Christ and, and the love of Christ and the helmet of our salvation. You know, the Bible is very, very clear. That's how, you know, Paul speaks about that we fight spiritual warfare is putting on the armor of God. And, and I, I think that's just a picture that, that each day we dress ourselves with the word of God. That, that we rehearse with ourselves in our minds, you know, or the mind of our salvation, the, the, the preparation of the gospel of feast. We shot our feet with that. But every single day we, we wake up because we, we realize I'm going to walk out into the world and there's going to be a world that's going to try to get my eyes off of Jesus Christ. There's going to be a world that tries to distract me from, from walking in re- readiness. And I, I need to make sure every day that I put on the armor of God so that I can be in readiness. I've told you this story before, but I think it's just one of the craziest stories I've, I've ever heard. It was a family story, and um, for those of you who have not heard it, um, I think you'll enjoy it. But I think it's so important when you're talking about this idea of readiness. My dad was in the Navy in World War II. He was on a sub-chaser in the South Pacific. Man, he has some war stories. But the funniest of them all was they'd been out in the South Pacific. They'd not even seen another boat, nothing for two, three weeks. And, and guess what? They began to lounge around. 
And one of the things you're supposed to do when you're on, on the boat, I mean, this is Daddy telling me, I've not been a sailor, he was a sailor, that, um, you know, when you're in that act of duty, you need to always live in, in readiness, and even you always had your clothes with you, always had your armor with you. Even when you took a shower, you'd take your, your full clothing and lay right there by the shower and, and um, be ready. Well, Daddy says that, you know, after you hadn't seen another boat or anything in and, and, and three or four weeks and you land out there, you kind of get lax in, in the way you live in your life. So we were all out there, you know, we, uh, we went there and took me a shower, didn't have my, my gear, you know, ready with me. And he says, lo and behold, right when I was in the middle of taking the shower, the, the air raid sirens begin to come off. He says, I didn't have time to run back to my bunk and get clothed. He says, when I left that shower, the only thing they put on me was a helmet. He said, they slapped a helmet on my life, on my head. He said, so I run up on that deck with all my glory showing. <laughs> and um, Daddy didn't, he, he didn't shoot the gun. He put the shells in the gun. And he says, them Japanese planes begin to come down. And he says, and, and I, we're slapping them shells. Them shot hot shells is coming out of that gun. And they're falling on my feet and falling on my bodies. And can you imagine some Japanese fighters coming in and see some naked air, you know, naked <laughs> sailors just um, shooting at them? But, you know, Jesus is going to come at a time we don't expect. And some of us are going to be out there in our nakedness. And, folks, we're not going to have time to go and put our clothes on because when he comes back, he's coming back, and we're going to have to deal with the issue when he comes back. And so, therefore, you see, we need to walk in readiness, but also part of that condition of readiness, we need to be ready. We need to have, we need to have our armor right there with us. We need to be ready because it's going to come a time when we don't expect it. And, um, but then the blessings, what's the blessings? Why is this so important? Listen to what he says in verse nine, the God's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that we, whether we wake or we sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore comfort one, ourselves together and edify one another, even as you also do. So first of all, and when we walk in readiness, there's that peace of knowing that I'm ready for the coming of Christ. I don't have to have in the back of my mind, is Jesus coming again? Or is he coming again at a time that I shouldn't be there? I mean, or I'm not ready. See, when I'm walking each day in readiness, I've got the, the, the armor of of, of of the Lord on, then I can say, hey, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. I'm ready for you today. I love how the Apostle Paul wrote, as he wrote Timothy right at the very end of his life, he says, for now the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought a good fight. Around the, you know, I've... Um, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. He says, and now the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me that day at his coming. He says, but not to me only, but all those who love his appearing. 
You see, there's a, there's a lot of days in my life that if Jesus would appear in that sky, I couldn't say I would love that day because, because I was living my life in a way that would not bring, bring pleasure to him. But see, those who love is appearing are those who are living their life in readiness, and there's a comfort in that. Where if Jesus could walk in, if he, if he walked in my door at any time, I'd say, welcome, Jesus. It's good to have you here. Instead of being embarrassed and having to shove things under the, uh, you know, in the closet. We need to walk in readiness because that gives us a comfort that we are ready. And the comfort of knowing that we'll be saved from the wrath of God. Folks, God's wrath is real. And it's, it's real because he's a just God. And the comfort of knowing that I'll not have to, I'll not have to face the wrath of God because Jesus paid for my wrath on the cross. And what a piece of knowing. See, the great joy when we walk in readiness is this. It's when I'm living my life in readiness, if I lay my head on my pillow at night, and if I should not wake up tomorrow, then I have the joy of knowing that I'm going to be in the presence of my Lord Jesus Christ. Or, or maybe if something happened to me today that was, was what we would consider the wor- you know, what the world sees as the worst thing, maybe if death should come knocking at my door. I'm 57, soon to be 58, and in most of the world, I've lived already to be an old man. A lot of the world, men never lived to be 57. Yeah, I, I've been to you know two funerals this week that both men were younger than me. But see, the joy of knowing this is one thing about death. It's a hundred percent for all of us if, if if Jesus tarries. But I don't have to be afraid of it when it comes knocking at my door, because my sins have been paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. And when he's coming again, it's going to be a great day of joy. It's going to be a great day of celebration. It's not going to be a, a, a day of fear or trepidation. Years ago when I was in seminary, as I closed, by being in seminary, you begin to, a lot of, you know, our professors love Jesus Christ, but, you know, on the, the timing of the return of, of Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church, you know, man, you ask five people, you get five different opinions. And I was sitting there one day, and it was Dr. Melick, my, my Greek professor, I, we was talking about it, and, and we had a time talking about it. I said, Dr. Melick, let me ask you, I'm just an old country boy from North Florida. I, I said, you know, Dr. Gray, the president of our seminary, he believes in the that, that we're going to come before the tribulation, pre-trib. And he says, he's pre-trib. I says, you're mid-trib. You think we're going to come kind of in the middle of it. And, you know, uh, another pressure, all millennial, it's all going to be coming at the end. I said, man, if, if, if all y'all, did, you know, I says, what am I supposed to th- say? He said, well, Johnny, there's one thing you have to, we call me John, one thing you have to understand, there's two things that are certain that the Bible talks about in the return of Christ. That first of all, Jesus is coming again. And second of all, you better be ready. Now, he says it doesn't matter who you come from, where you are, those are preach. 
He says, you can sit there and argue about when it's going to be. He, sa- he said, but, but you can be assured that Jesus is coming again. And because he's coming again, you better be ready. And folks, it doesn't matter what you believe about timelines and all your little charts. You can just know that Jesus would have come with a time that, that doesn't fit your chart. I, you know, I heard one man say, I think John Maxwell, that's why he hadn't already come, because he hadn't figured out all of our charts yet. But it's going to come in a time that will not fit your little chart. It's going to be a time unexpected, and you better be ready. See, the question then is, are you ready? Not is Jesus coming, but are you ready? That's what you better deal with right now. Are you ready? We're going to close this service out. And I'm going to challenge you. I want you to ask yourself that question right now. Am I ready? What if Jesus Christ came back before we closed in prayer? Have my sins been taken care of, or am I going to have to face the righteous judge? Is my house clean, and I'm talking about my house, my life clean, or do I need to do a little bit of cleaning up? Folks, we need to take this serious. God desires of us that we walk in readiness. And if I'm not ready, I, I, need, to, I need to get ready right now. And I need to stay ready. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do a little soul searching right now. I can't answer that question for you. Only you and Jesus Christ knows your heart. Your husband doesn't know your heart. Your wife doesn't know your heart. Your mom or daddy doesn't know your heart. Only you and Jesus. Is your heart ready for the return of Jesus Christ? And if it's not, as Paul says, I shouldn't even have to be speaking to you about these things. You ought to already know. But I challenge you right now. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you right now as you bow your head and close your eyes to ask yourself a question. Am I ready if Jesus Christ came back right now? Am I ready? Is my soul in order? Have I come to that point in life where I've made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life? Do I know that my sins are forgiven? Have I taken... If I taken my sins to the cross, how about it in your house? And I'm talking about your house. That's your life. Is there some cleaning that needs to be done in my house? Or have I, have I dealt with the issues in my life that I've dealt with? Are there points of unforgiveness? Are there points of anger? Are there points of fear? Are there points of trouble within my life? Why not deal with them now? Right now, if, if you're not sure of your salvation, if you are not, if you don't have the hope of your salvation, you might need to cry out to God right now. You may need to cry out to God and say, God, I'm in need of a Savior. God, I, I, I don't know for sure if I died today or if you come right now that I'd be saved. I know that I'm a sinner. And I admit to God I'm a sinner. And I know my sin separates me from you. 
God, I cry out to you right now. I cry out to you admitting that I'm lost, that I'm separated from you, and I'm needed of a Savior. I know that I can't, I, I can't save myself. But God, I believe that Jesus came. He died for my sins. He took my wrath upon the cross. He paid for my judgment. He was buried. And God, I believe that just like those kids sang today, he's alive. He come out of that grave. He's a super. He is superhero. And God, I choose today to put my trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation. I choose today to claim him as my Lord. And I choose today to begin my life to follow in him. God, that I might be ready to when he comes again. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And Lord, help me each day to keep my eyes on you. In Christ's name, amen.